Are we having fun this- yet? <laughs> Perfect. You were listening to the Give Me Five podcast, episode number 149, Side B. is the Give Me Five podcast, a bi-weekly podcast reviewing the things you love today and the things you loved yesterday. My name is Jimmy, and I am joined by Rob. Hey, guys. Greg. Hello. And the legendary Russ Howell. Hi, everyone. Glad to be here. Oh, thank you so much for joining oh, us. We're so glad you could join us, Russ. This yes, is you. a side B episode, and we are going to speak with Russ about his life and career in skateboarding. And we are also going to talk about the 1989 classic skate film, Gleaming the Cube. Fun movie. Yep. About life, death, revenge, and most importantly, skateboarding. And of course, we will answer our Give Me Five question of the week. Ooh. Looking forward to it. So, this is a review show. So, if you've maybe heard about the phrase Gleaming the Cube and you had no idea what it was or what it meant. (laughs) We'll tell you. And now you're like, man, I really want to see that movie called Gleaming the Cube. And you're scared that we're going to ruin it for you. Well, you might want to stop now. Because we probably will. Yeah, because we will spoil it for you. However, if that doesn't bother you, or if you've already seen the movie... And you were here for for Russ Howell, then by all means, keep on listening. I just don't want any angry emails. Yeah. If we spoil a 1989 film for you, um, sorry in advance. Uh, <laughs> there are skateboards in it. And there's some murder in there as well. So it's it's, it's a lot heavier than I remember. It's a big sure. reminder that Vietnam was a lot closer to the 80s than people really want to remember. Yeah. Hmm. It's weird because I remembered parts of the movie, but I don't remember seeing the whole movie. I mean, I there are certain things that I remember, but I definitely don't remember the whole movie. <laughs> I used to watch this movie to to hype myself up. And uh, yeah, so I can't wait to talk about that as well with uh, with a man who this film might not exist without. And that is Mr. Russ Howell, skateboarding world champion, uh, considered the first freestyle champion, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Ambassador to the sport of skateboarding, because, yes, it is a legitimate sport. Uh, I have always always advocated that for that myself. Sorry, I'm a little starstruck. So I'm tripping over my words. Uh, (laughs) 2017 Skateboarding Hall of Fame inductee, pioneer, educator and web programmer. And Guinness World Thank Records. Thank you so much for joining guilty. us. <laughs> so, Russ, yep, go ahead. 
Skateboarding's been a great ride. I just started in 1958, and back when we started, it was all on steel wheels. You know, we got most of our product from mm. roller skating, Chicago roller derby, that kind of stuff. But it wasn't until 1965 when they held the first national contest at the Anaheim Stadium. Well, that went on, but it went dormant for a decade and then we hit it again with the reintroduction of urethane wheel that was actually designed for roller skating rinks but it was too slow inside the rinks and frank masworthy took that put it on a skateboard well we have the 1975 nationals and from that skateboarding exploded and it's still going strong it still is absolutely i'm i'm a uh, thrilled so it's been fun to as you said uh skateboarding kind of stepped out of the spotlight went dormant for about 10 years um, it, it's been really fun to watch the, the, um, evolution of the sport throughout the years, how certain things will bring it back into the spotlight. Uh, a game will come out such as Tony Hawk, um, or a movie will come out or, you know, um, just some, some event will happen. Um, so you talked about 1958, you started, right. And if I'm, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, you started out like a lot of people did um, by attaching parts of roller skates to a board. I did. We got most of the stuff down at the local sporting goods store, and it was roller skating products that we attached to two-by-fours. And believe it or not, 62 years later, still skateboarding, even having started on that prehistoric stuff. But for me, like most kids, it was just a game. It was something that we did just to hang out with our friends and then do after surfing. So with all that, um, it wasn't until about, oh, 19, early 70s, I was a physical education major at Cal State Long Beach. And part of my requirement as being a physical educator was to go ahead and do a service in the community. Well, one of the park directors across the street from where I live asked me to teach a skateboarding safety class. And one of the kids was 12 years old. And he says, hey, I want to go see the Nationals. And that was the Del Mar Nationals being held in April 1975. His mother couldn't drive him, so he asked me to take him. And we went down for the weekend, and I had to join the contest. Well, I joined the contest and I ended up winning. I had no idea, you know, what was going to happen, but it got me on the Johnny Carson Tonight Show, Good Morning America. We started doing tours and I was immediately called grandpa because I was 25 years old and all, all the other kids <laughs> yeah. were 14. So I yeah. was tour touring around the world and we're doing these tours and promoting skateboarding. But one of the most important things for me that, that really came about was it wasn't about me. It was about the sport. And the sport was bigger than what I was. And one of the, the foundations for that came through physical education studies. And I studied a guy named Friedrich Hahn who lived in the early 1800s. Mm -hmm. Napoleon had conquered okay. Germany, separated into 52 states. And all of a sudden, Friedrich Hahn says, no, I want to unify my country. Well, he started German gymnastics. And through that movement, he was thrown into prison for sedition, trying to overthrow Napoleon. But after mm. he got out, he started again and unified Germany. And that's what I wanted skateboarding to do, unify the world. And as American gymnastics, we love our big motor cars. Why not have gymnastics on wheels? And that's where I wanted to take our sport. That's crazy interesting. It, it really is. And um, I, I'd say you've been six, pretty successful at it. Yeah, we um, derailed a lot a of little. lives in a beautiful way. 
<laughs> yeah. And, and speaking of, uh, derailing lives in a, bl- a beautiful way, I don't want to, um, I don't want to have that have a negative, uh, connotation because it certainly doesn't. Your kind of career in skateboarding really took off, uh, by making a decision, um, that really sounds like something out of a movie. Um, you got fired from a job. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm typically a left brain dominant person, meaning I'm logical, sequential, organized, mathematical, yep. and really boring, you know? So here uh, comes guilty. this thing. Yeah. And, and skateboarding says, wait a minute, I got other plans for you. And I did I didn't show up to work because the skateboard contest was more fun. And I made a decision to stay, which is totally against character. I decided to go into this instead of becoming a mathematics instructor, which I eventually became anyway. But skateboarding Mm -hmm. just took me around the world. And what a beautiful ride. I love skateboarding. I haven't been on a board in in quite a while myself. Oh, I'm sorry. I I should. Uh, I I really need to um, because – it's it's not about uh, jumping the highest or, or flipping the most. Uh, it's certainly something I was never good at. Um, mm. But it's uh, I, I've always been attracted to kind of the the style that you help pioneer, and that's freestyle. Oh, thank um, you. Good to hear that. So yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, big fan of a flatland or, or freestyle. When you see guys, if you don't know what we're talking about. Um, you're talking about the, the spins and, um, well, let's get right to it. The handstands. Yeah. Still doing that. Yeah. Still doing it. Uh, I saw a, a really cool video of a, a, a news station out in California, um, where you had seen some video of yourself, um, performing in a competition. Oh, the and ocean side. Yeah. I, I be- yeah. And I, I believe you, you contacted and said, Hey, that's me. <laughs> well, Jim Goodrich, he, he's a photographer for our sport, and he let me know about mm-hmm. this San Diego station, and I got in contact with him, and they were nice enough to come out, and we did a handstand down the block, and um, on handstands, I recently challenged myself. In fact, this was last month, and I thought, you know, I've never measured how far I could ride in a handstand, and so in one Ooh. day, I rode 2,000 yards, which is about a mile and an eighth. Jeez. Now, you are, in fact, still the world record holder, right? Um, For handstands and – no, no. No, there's another guy out of Colorado who beat my record, Danny Sinergios. I can't ever pronounce his last name. But he did almost a mile in one run, and that was incredible. But for three seconds, I I still hold the record for that at 163. Yep, saw that as well. Guinness world record holder as well. Um, and by the way, just to encourage you, you say you haven't been on a skateboard in a long time. Yeah. Um, Duke Hanamuku, I think, had one of the greatest quotes. And he said, the best surfer in the water is the one having the most fun. So whether you're flipping or doing whatever, never let the things you can't do interfere with the things you can do. And the width of your smile should not be directly related to whatever you're doing on a skateboard as far as talent level. So go out and have a good time. I'm going to do it. I, I, I guarantee he's going to buy a skateboard tomorrow. Um, <laughs> and, and I will, I will see him at my place of business shortly. <laughs> yeah. 
Rob is a nurse. <laughs> Rob is a nurse. I, I'm uh, an operating room nurse. So yeah. <laughs> I'm fairly confident we will be seeing Jimmy come through shortly. No, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna do my best and just have fun with it. Every every couple of years goes by and I get that itch, you know. Um, There's an ointment for that. <laughs> the, the first time I, I got a skateboard, um, I, I it was Christmas Day uh, when I was supposed to open it, but I knew what it was. Um, and I stood at the top of my driveway. Like <laughs> well, no, because I went out with my parents. Um, it's a skate video called Toy Machine Welcome to Hell had came out. And um, it, it had the gnarliest slam section in there of all time. But I, I stood on the top of my driveway on this toy machine skateboard and I rolled down the driveway and I hit the end of it and I just right on my face. And I didn't touch it for a year. Um, because I was, I had always set really big expectations for myself. Like, yeah, man, I'm going to, I'm going to grind that rail. I could never do that. I could never jump very high, but, um, I, I'm just hypnotized by watching videos of you doing freestyle, um, the spins and when, when did you, when did you say, you know what, I'm going to do a handstand on this. When I was in elementary school, I used to walk to school. It was about a mile to my elementary school. And one day I was walking home and there was this kid, probably in junior high, older than I was, Mm -hmm. and he was doing a handstand. And I'd never seen anybody upside down. And I just became that obsessed with it. I had to learn this. And it took me six months. And I was only doing a three-second handstand. From that point mm-hmm. on, all of a sudden, we started challenging each other. I'd do a handstand on a park bench, on a tree limb, on a, on a parking meter. I'd do a handstand down the steps of the football stadium. So we were doing handstands everywhere. And, you know, with surf, that coupled with surfing, we had a lot of upper body strength to spend. And we just uh, – I think the world looks better upside down. <laughs> that's amazing well i may have spent some time that way but it was on a ski slope as i was sliding down on my back so <laughs> so many toys so little time yeah yeah right you know there's one of my favorite sayings and uh it's aristotle and he said if we are the playthings of the gods then let us live our lives as play i agree with that completely Absolutely. Uh, if if you were to to look around any any one of our rooms, we're we're very much uh, big children. Oh um, yeah, certainly. But <laughs> we were actually just exchanging GI Joe in a parking lot today. today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've got a, a question. Just I'm I'm always fascinated with with pioneers in any field. I don't care if it's pioneering in sports or Dragons. if you're the first person to do something, you know, it could be cooking. It could be, I don't care. Um, did you know, when did you realize that there was something really happening? Like when, that there was a movement forming? I think after the Del Mar contest, April 75, and all of a sudden being invited to the tonight show, I didn't realize what that meant. And the next day I flew out to Hawaii and everybody greeted me on the plane and everybody knew who I was. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden it opened a door. And what was very attractive to me was, wow, I'm going to have so many friends out of this experience. And <laughs> the word relationships, I think, is the priority of life. And it, it's not so much about us but how we relate to others. 
And where I really came in was I was a very shy person. I, I had no public speaking abilities, and I soon had to learn how to, to deal with that because I had something more important than myself, skateboarding, and I just wanted to share it with the world. And skateboarding allowed me to do that. And just what a great ride. I can't say enough good things about this wonderful sport who has lifted so many of us up. Absolutely. Uh, you talk about relationships and in, in skateboarding. I I made a lot of friends that way in high school myself. Um, I around 12, I moved to a different town. And, you know, after, of course, the falling of my first experience with the skateboard, everybody in my high school who skateboarded, we knew who each other was. We we were all um, we all became very fast friends. And it's potentially a, a, a future skateboarder right here. Uh, this is Ethan. So, Ethan. Hi. This is Russ. Hi, Ethan. Hi. Hi. Russ, Russ is a, a really good at skateboarding. Do you think your dad would let you skateboard? No. He's a skateboarder, like in that game we played the other day. <laughs> oh, do you, you watch? Say hi. You watch your dad play the skateboarding game? You don't hi. <laughs> we can each have chocolate for free. We can each have chocolate for free. I appreciate I'm that. Down. We're coming over to Greg's. <laughs> We're going to bring our front of Russ over. handstands on skateboards. He does a handstand on the ground. He does it on wheels. On. I can do a cartwheel. Okay. Except not on wheels. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to try? Do you want to learn to ride a skateboard? No. Why not? I'm going to fall down. No, because I already have a bike. Uh, well, all right. Bikes are dangerous. They kill children. We must teach them to skateboard. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the opposite way around. <laughs> I don't think so. I got hurt more on bikes than I did on skateboards. Uh, to each person their own, yeah? As long I'm as we're on Motorcycles. Yeah, I got uh, hurt on those too. Now we're introducing gasoline into the equation. <laughs> See if your dad will buy you a motorcycle. Ask him. No. No? Yeah. <laughs> Ask him if he'll buy me a motorcycle. I don't think you're well, going to get a motorcycle. Eat all this chocolate and have a good night. Remember, chocolate for free. Chocolate for house. free. Good night, and brownies. <laughs> all right. Excellent. Good night, buddy. He's Sorry, our uh, he's our uh, connection to the child world. He's our correspondent um occasionally uh you, know, you, you talked about injuries and uh i i've had plenty skateboarding um yeah what was, what was your worst um let's see mary lou broke my heart and no um <laughs> probably the worst injury well i was at signal hill and that's the place where they did the uh, downhill skateboarding championships. Guys would get up to 50, 60 miles an hour. So I started yep. about uh, three quarters of the way up the hill. I got going 40 miles an hour. I was doing a handstand and I thought I'd slow down by the intersection, but I didn't. Mm. And so Ooh. it was either that or go through the intersection and get run over by a car. So I went off road, went through the tumbleweeds and knocked myself out. Um, I got a lot of road rash off of that and I never did downhill afterwards. I've always wondered when watching people do like those super pipes, just how to like, I look at those things and I'm like, 
the first time anyone does those, it looks like something that could be very, very harmful. Like, and I've always wondered just how do people build up to that point? Or is it just like, well, let's just take the risk and do it and see what happens. Like the giant half pipes. Um, <sighs> half pipes. Um, they're fun. If you're getting air off of them, you can certainly get yourself hurt. Um, we had a lot of injuries up at the 1986 world championships. And, uh, one of the guys, he was coming off the half pipe and they laid down the plywood the wrong way and he got a splinter and it went all the way through his foot. So yeah, there's a right. lot of different ways that you can get that, but it's like most things, everything requires speed, timing and accuracy. And if you don't go for speed, none of those and, yeah, <laughs> that's in most areas, right? Yeah. But, right. There's a saying that says the master has failed more times than the beginner has tried. And so we put so much pressure on ourselves to be so good right away. But the Eastern people, I know when I was in martial arts, they teach you how to fall first because they know that's reality. That's what you're going to have to deal with. Learn how to yep. fall. Learn how to accept, you know, not took, doing I it properly. I took quite a few years of judo, and I can confirm that is, in fact, the first thing they teach you is how to fall. Absolutely. Yukimi. Well, and even in, in wrestling, they teach you how to fall and to, to make it look good. Um, there you go. At the same time. Yeah. So. Yeah, we do our athletes here in America a disservice. We have what's called an American winning ethic, and they say if you're not number one, you're nobody. Well, that's not true. You know, you should never be afraid to fail. You should be afraid not to try. The old yep. Yoda principle. Yeah, I, I will give you my my story. This is the perfect time for my skateboarding story. Oh right. yes. I watched uh, this guy fall downstairs, so yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> so. When I was a kid, I, of course, wanted a skateboard more than any other toy on the planet. And so I went to I lived in Pittsburgh and I went to this place called Children's Palace, which was like the northeastern version of Toys R Us. And I went in there and they had all these skateboards on those like where they slanted the racks down and put the little metal like grid in front of it. So all these skateboards right. there. And my dad's like, you're going to kill yourself on this thing, et cetera, et cetera. He was an accountant, so you know where his yeah. mind was. So he takes one down, he puts his foot on it, and he it flies out from under him. <laughs> he grabs onto the rack, oh, <laughs> which causes the little metal thing to pop off the front. So have you ever seen those cartoons where someone opens up a closet and then everything falls? And then, like that, <laughs> and then there's that one second pause, and the last thing falls, like the bowling ball then falls on the person's head. So he lands on the ground. About five skateboards fall onto him. Five skateboards like fall onto him around him, and then the last one falls off. It was those plastic ones with like the the little thin plastic bouncy ones. The last one rolls off and hits him right in the head. And <laughs> That's he's a like, great story. <laughs> and he's like, nope. Any other toy you want, we'll get it. So I I ended up with a uh, one of those race car sets with the the little magnetic yeah. things, so, <laughs> and I've still never skateboarded to this day. Oh well, I know. And I'm gonna have to show you the basics. The, yeah, right. Sometime. The only skateboarding story I remember as far as um as far as when I was growing up was I mean my brother and I both had a skateboard. I don't really remember using it, but I do remember my dad climbing on one time to show us. He's like, Oh yeah, you do this. This is how you do it. He gets on, and I swear to God, not even three seconds in, the board goes out from under him and he falls into the bookshelf in in the room that we were in, hits it, stuff comes off, and my dad just kind of like, oh, well, we won't do that again. And he kind of walks out of the room, and I'm like, oh, yeah. my God. And then the only yeah. experience that I had wasn't really a skateboard. It was on a snowboard. 
And I was going downhill and I got to the end of the bunny slope, mind you. And I turned my board forward to try and stop at the end, not realizing that when you're on a slope, you want to turn and face uphill so that you can be closer to the ground should your board catch. Well, what happened mm-hmm. was, was I, I was facing downhill, the front end of the front edge of my board caught, and I did a face plant into the snow going downhill. I swear, I think I hit my I hit my chest so hard it hurt for like twenty minutes, and I thought I was having a heart attack. I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> nice, <laughs> too young for this." Yeah, that was the end of snowboarding, and. So often, pain is the currency we use to purchase our pleasures. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I could I could talk to you guys for a while. That's a uh, about we have we have gone to the eighties here in in the the history of of Russ and skating. I want to so I guess what what came next? Yeah, you were you started seeing uh, seeing this uptick. Um, you know, it became a legit sport mm-hmm. and it's, you know, started showing up in movies and all that. And so what, what did that mean for you? Well, it gave a lot more opportunities to meet new friends. And so, uh, after the Johnny Carson show, good morning, America, we started doing some movies, um, some really strange movies, um, got to meet some, uh, martial arts people, got to meet Ed Parker and uh, he was really an interesting guy. Um, got to travel around the world. Uh, got to go to Japan, Australia, uh, all through Europe. Um, just, just amazing things. I know uh, the movie in 1989 was Gleaming the Cube. And uh, Christian Slater, who was starring in that, he was 20 years old at the time. And Stacy Peralta was originally slotted to go ahead and train Christian Slater so he could be uh, skilled when it came time to do some skate scenes. Well, he got lost patience with Christian. And mm-hmm. so they hired me and I uh, became Christian's coach. Well, I go over every morning. I was going to give him 10 lessons and every morning I would show up and his mother would answer the door and says, Christian's not here. He's off at his girlfriend's house. And being a 20 year old Hollywood guy, uh, good looking fella. He, he was at a different girlfriend's house every morning. So I, uh, this was before GPS and I had to find where he was staying and he'd always greet me every morning in his pajamas. And then we go out and have our skate session. (laughs) <laughs> did he at least put on clothes before you did the skate session or did he do it in his pajamas yeah yeah he'd get dressed but it was like oh yeah, i forgot dude and yeah let's go you have more patience than i do yeah it was a lot of fun though because christian you know once he uh got out and started doing things he was a quick study he picked up skateboarding very very quickly have you uh spoken to him recently or no, I have not. Not not since the film. I was oh, wow. usually off busy going somewhere else and he had his own direction, too. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, in that same era on the, the birth of um, Pal Peralta and Vision, uh, you were you were on the advisory board for for Vision. Is that correct? 
That's right. Brad Dorfman yeah. was, uh, he started off in a little garage in Newport and then uh, expanded and took over Vision. And under his roof, we, uh, Everett Rosecrans and myself, we would coach over 150 skaters and it was the Vision, Sims, and Schmidt Sticks. At one time, I was coaching the Sims team. Um, I also, working with uh, San, uh, Sandy Miller uh, over at uh, ISA, International Skateboard Association, I started an association called PRO, Professional Riders Organization. I mm-hmm. wanted to make it a professional sport. And the only way to do that was to find a way to get skateboarders paying jobs. And so that was my job was to get other people so that they could make a living off skateboarding. And at Vision, we had 14-year-olds making 12000 to $14,000 a month. I, myself, I had a superpower, whereas I couldn't make a dime off skateboarding. I was giving everything away for free because I loved the sport too much and I'd never asked for payment. And so, well, it was more of a, hey, I love my sport. And uh, so I, I'd always, uh, anyway, but skateboarding never owed me anything. I always felt I was in debt to it. And so that was just my mental attitude that way. But we got a lot of other people paying jobs and it worked out really well because so many people now, you know, love skateboarding around the world. And that's, that's what's happening. Yeah. There's so many, I, I skated with people who were sponsored um, back in, back in high school And, and, you know, being sponsored by a local shop or, or by your local skate park was, was a big deal for a lot of us. And uh, I knew quite a few people who were, and they were getting paid to do it. So, you know, by, by pursuing that passion and being able to, to make some money off of it, you know, it was really encouraging. You see that with, with video games now with esports. Mm-hmm. when, I mean, I, I'd say skateboarding is, is internationally recognized as a sport now. Um, when, when was that legitimized for you? Is, is there a certain, did you see a certain thing or, or was it even just going to a a competition saying, Hey, you know, we did it or was it for a lot of people? I know it was the Olympics. Internationally been involved on that platform for a lot of years. Um, Mm -hmm. I know what early on in the 1970s, I traveled to Australia and introduced the sport there and it it worked out really well or going to Japan or going to Europe. And we get a lot of different countries involved, but we never really had the magnitude, uh, the the number of uh, contestants. Um, Monty Little up in Canada, along with Kevin Harris, who's Canadian national champion in freestyle, they went ahead and they have formed the World Roundup uh, World Mm -hmm. Championships we have 22 countries represented, 124 skaters, uh, countries like Romania, Russia, China, Malaysia, Philippines, all over. Right now, this year, Japan has dominated the scene. Uh, there's a, a little kid named Asama Yamamoto, and mm-hmm. it's amazing. He can throw so many difficult moves. And he's precision. He never makes a mistake. Uh, just a really neat kid, a great ambassador for the sport. We've got so many other people around the world. And uh, when we all get together, typically up in Vancouver, this year we had to do an online contest because of the pandemic. But typically when mm, we're all together right. in the same arena, everybody is cheering for everybody. And it's just a big family more than a contest. And I think that's the way it should be. Agreed. 
absolutely. I, I found that, you know, what Jimmy and I, te- well, Jimmy used to teach, I teach. Mm-hmm. And actually, I, we mentioned it beforehand, but just for the listeners out there, um, one of our students uh, is a guy named Brett Novak who does skate films and actually is a friend of <laughs> yours. And I know he did. He did a documentary with you or he did something with you, correct? Uh, he was working with me. I, I think it was a be kind to senior citizens uh, type of deal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's more. Uh, he's he's making films with Asamu that I just mentioned, uh, Killian Martin, a bunch of other guys, and Brett has this magical way of taking people and bringing out the emotions. And uh, it reminds me. Uh, when I went to Australia, I worked for the Perth International Arts Festival. I don't know anything about art, so I asked my uh, wife's brother can you define art for me? He's an artist. And he said, art is not a talent. Art is an emotion. It's something that resides within you. And it's, you get to choose your canvas, whether it's sculpting, art, canvas, song, dance, whatever it is, but it's the way you take your emotions and share them with the rest of the world. And I think for that reason, skateboarding, along with every other physical activity, is an art form. And Brett Novak takes that art form to an extreme being that he allows other people to express their hearts. Mm -hmm. And I always find that interesting because I went to a traditional college and you would have all the people that when someone rode into a lecture hall with a skateboard, it was always like, oh, it's that skater. And now I teach at an an art college and that skater is, has the instructors are like, Hey, let's see what happens when we attach a GoPro to the front of that thing. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Let's see what happens if we can add some graphics to this to make it kick up paint or have, you know, laser lines coming out of it and all that. And it's cool that that it's a way of people to express themselves in an artistic way. I don't know why we as human beings try to limit ourselves, but you should never argue with life for your limitations. Otherwise, life will give them to you. Ask and you shall receive. I know I just turned 71 and a lot of people on Facebook on the skaters over 50 or skaters over 60, you know, they're starting to say, oh, I'm too old to skate. You know, it hurts too much when I fall. But we're all tempted to do that. As we get older, we're not willing to pay the price of pain that we were willing to do when we were younger. So I really think that we need to become warriors for our own life and keep up the good fight. Dylan Thomas wrote a poem, you know, don't go gently into that good night, whatever it was. And so mm-hmm. I, I wrote a letter to myself on a very similar message that I had to have it in writing so I could read it every day to myself just to get myself off the couch and say, hey, it's still a good day to go skate. I we actually it. have an over 70 coworker. At least I have an over 70 coworker uh, at work who's uh, always skating around. Hello, Tom. Yeah, Tom Busby. Hey, yeah. Tom Busby, man. Who, uh, who actually has many a story of living in a van on Baja. So. <laughs> We could talk for hours, I feel like, and I could, I could keep you for so long, Russ. Uh, <laughs> what, what, before we, before we switch gears here and talk, talk some more about Gleaming the Cube, in addition to, you know, what we've already, ta- uh, already talked about, you maintain a, a few skate wipes websites. And I, I just want to give you the opportunity to kind of, kind of tell people where they can find you and keep up with you. And, um, you know, a plug, I guess. Shameless plug. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Um, yeah. 
I know for me, I have a t- teacher mentality. I do things, uh, share all good things. And that's, gosh, I've had that attitude since kindergarten, bringing toys to school and sharing with my friends. Um, but I do yep. websites now. And a lot of those websites are for the service of the sport. Um, we do a timeline history along with Jim Goodrich, who did all the research. I added all the graphics. And so we have the history of skateboarding throughout the ages. Another website that I maintain is a memorial site for both skateboarders and surfers. So if someone's passed away, we can go ahead and add them to list just so their memory will live on. Um, there's a lot of things. If uh, Things that I know are posted on most people's websites, they say, oh, you can't use this, you can't use this without, you know, it's copyrighted. Well, everything on my website please use. Please use it for your own pleasure and share it with others. And that's the whole attitude of why I do websites in the beginning is to share all good things so that other people can be blessed by it. And uh, my website is uh, skatewatt.com backslash Russ Howell. And from there, you can get to all the other links, the memorial page, stickers, uh, photos, logos. Uh, I even get posted some personal movies up there for a lot of people, downhill and stuff like that. If you need anything, email me and uh, I'll look through my archives. I keep a, an exhaustive uh, photo collection and I'm glad to give give it all away to anybody who wants it. Man, I'm looking at the website right now. That uh, that Cruiser Complete skateboard is gorgeous. Oh, I love that board. <laughs> and uh, the, do, the two la- the two layers of wood and the blue wheel. Woo. Yeah, it's my favorite handstand buy- board. <laughs> Jimmy, buy that one. Yeah, I'm buying Jimmy. I'm going. I'm going out tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> gotta get a wedding to pay for, but uh, you know. We'll see. Not, not if you buy a skateboard. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, is this your own wedding that you're paying for? Uh, this is this is my wedding. Yeah. Ah, you know, I live in Salt Lake City, and it's it's a big, uh, you know, Mormon population here. Do, do you know the difference between monogamy and polygamy? Polygamy uh, is when a guy has one too many wives, and monogamy, well, it's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> I can say oh. that because my wife's not here. <laughs> A skateboard comes flying from the other side of the room and hits you in the yeah. back of the head. Doink. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, it's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your experiences. And uh, <laughs> if you could humor us here, uh, you, you've got some personal connection to uh, to the movie that came out in 1989. Um, it's, I, I wouldn't say it's the film that inspired me to skate, uh, but it's, it's something that I, I have come back to, to watch and, uh, has inspired me in the past to get out and skate. And that's, uh, gleaming the cube, um, 1989 film starring Christian Slater, uh, a very young, very skinny and tall Tony Hawk, um, yes. as well as, um, some other skaters in there as well. Um, also starring Stephen Bauer and Richard Hurd. The synopsis basically, um, if you haven't seen it, a young avid skateboarder, uh, trained by our guest himself, uh, Christian Slater uncovers a government conspiracy while investigating his adoptive brother's mysterious death. Uh, a lot heavier than I remembered. <laughs> 
Right? I thought oh. it was going to be very much like one of the any of the other like 80s competition movies. You know, like Rad or Karate Kid where it was going to be like a villain and a skater and a competition and when it, when it started and there was like talk about Vietnam and weapon smuggling, I was like, "Oh, I uh, did not recall it being this." Yeah. Um and and the manner in which his his brother perished I was like, oh, geez, that's rough. With but, Disneyland um, right outside the window, which I guarantee Disney would not sign off on that today. Never. Yeah, I thought that was weird product yeah. placement, but no. <laughs> having a bad day, go to Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. So, Russ, other than your experience um, with Christian Slater there, what 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 other experience did you have with the film? Um, I'm sure uh, a lot of uh, a lot of your friends were in it. Well, there was had something Hawk, to do Tommy with Guerrero. it. Um, <laughs> I know Tony Hawk showed up to one of the training sessions that I was doing with Christian Slater on a playground one day, and it, you know that a lot of the kids were on the playground and they were watching Christian and I go through the, the, the things that we were trying to get him to do specifically for the plot of the movie. When Tony showed up all the kids, their eyes got huge and they just started chasing Tony all over. But Tony mm -hmm. was so adept on a skateboard. He outran him easily. And all these kids are falling all over the playground, trying to catch up to him. Um, but other than that, it didn't have much contact with Tony at all because he couldn't stay in one place long enough because the kids were chasing him. I, I thought it was so funny that um, Tony Hawk did not play himself in this movie. However, he put up Tony Hawk birdhouse stickers and had a Tony Hawk skateboard deck. Um, that's just a weird he's just a pizza delivery dude who can skate. But um, very kind of like uh, very Inception skate Inception type mm -hmm. deal. Um, uh, oh, another just it's just like uh, the the uh, No Holds Barred we just watched, where the guy was clearly Hulk Hogan, but wasn't Hulk Hogan. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was now, Rob and, and Greg? What were your experiences with the film as well? Had you seen it? I know Rob said he didn't quite remember it. I had never seen it. it. No, never. I thought I thought I did, but I clearly saw something else. Um, although I did, I may have at least seen every time he jumped in the back of a car. Kristen Slater jumped in the back of a car or held on to the back of the car. I knew it was going to happen immediately so i don't know if that's just foreshadowing or me like um just you know having seen it it's misremembering point. or yeah but i definitely did i don't believe i saw it um, um i can tell you one time i held on to the back of a car and it did not end well <laughs> i ended up on my face my leg my feet were over my head mm. I, just, I probably had a concussion yeah rob you're definitely gonna see him soon uh, no, yeah. this was this was no fault of mine. This was a, a person that decided to go too fast. Um, and I thought I could jump off my board instead of just uh, oh my God. instead of just staying on it and coming to a halt naturally. Um, what you I guys believe think? regardless of what you just said, that was actually the fault of yours. The, the, the decision. 
Hey, I didn't tell anybody to drive that fast. <laughs> have Russ, have you ever held onto the back of a car <laughs> on a skateboard? I actually, uh, I got it from another, I was filming another movie and, and I never hung onto the back of a car, but I did intentionally get run over by a car. And we were in Hawaii and we were filming hard, hard ticket to Hawaii. And uh, so Andy Sedaris, the producer, he says, Hey, look, Russ, I need this car to run you over. So he went at five miles an hour. 10 miles an hour, 15, he got up to 25 miles an hour. I had to stand in front of this car and let it hit me. And then I jumped off the bad bumper. Well, at that time, there was a little hook on the back of the Jeep and it, it busted one of my ribs um, and uh, then knocked me into the air. But that's, that was what was supposed to happen. So, um, so that was the take that was in the movie? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And then they shot me with a bazooka and I blew up. Of course, I, I didn't get blown up, but it, that was a dummy. But um, yeah, but I did get hit by a car going 25 miles an hour, standing in the front of it intentionally. How stupid was that? <laughs> this is the uh, if you want to see that video and you YouTube Russ Howell, you'll see 70 skateboarder Russell Russ Howell dies. Yeah, and uh, it's pretty spectacular. You've got a, a machine gun and you turn and you've got a uh, a blow up doll and you get hit by this Jeep and blown up with a rocket launcher. Yeah. Every one of Andy Sedaris's movies, somebody got stuck with a uh, blow up doll and uh, the guy that played <laughs> Falcon Eddie and Rich Man, Poor Man, he, uh, he got stuck with it in the first movie called Seven. I got stuck with it in the second movie and... Uh, I don't know. It was just Andy Sedaris and he had Playboy Playmates and Karate Masters and just sex. What was it? Bullets, Bombs and Babes was a slogan. Oh. I actually just, I literally just saw that movie like a month ago. Oh. Which one? It was, it was Hard Ticket to Hawaii. It was a, it's a mystery science theater movie now. Yeah. Yep. And I, nice. I released it not too long ago and I watched it uh, at the beginning of all this pandemic stuff to get my mind off things. That's really funny. I'll have to, I'll have to check it out again now that I'm talking to someone who's blown up in it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Met some good friends yep. through that movie. Hey, by the way, while we're on the, the thing of gleaming the cube, uh, Tony Hawk being one of the the skaters in that movie, um, I want to do a shout out to his father, Frank Hawk, because when Tony was about uh, 12, 14 years old, Frank Hawk, his father, started Castle, California Amateur Skateboard League, that provided a platform for Tony to go ahead and compete in an amateur platform. Now, when Tony turned pro uh, a few years later, we started NSA, National Skateboard Association, and that handled all the pros. And Castle was turned over to Sony Catalana through Vans. And then we still continued the amateur platform and pro platform. But it became – that was all through Tony Hawk's father, Frank Hawk. Oh, that's amazing. I had no idea. Um, I, I grew up in um, southeastern Virginia. And uh, we had a, a pretty famous – um, skate park there and uh, I, I couldn't believe seeing the names that that had come through there but uh, Tony Hawk was always one that was was tearing it up there so um, early influence on on my skateboard skateboarding mm -hmm. for sure as was Rodney Mullen yep Rodney Mullen was the um, I guess skate double for Christian Slater yes so 
Christian Slater became, I guess you could say, adept at skateboarding um, with your tutelage. But all of the scenes that you see um, of all the kind of crazy spinning and flatland tricks were were actually Rodney Mullen. Is that, that is correct? correct? Right. They uh, they gave me a script and they said, train Christian Slater to do these types of moves and then we'll edit in Rodney Mullen, you know, for a lot of the, the other shots that you see him doing. Which is so cool. I, I love um, Rodney versus Day One is one of the uh, coolest skate videos in addition to Day One song. Of course, if you guys aren't familiar um, and the Toy Machine Welcome to Hell video. Were, were huge influences um, on me. What did you guys, um, what did you guys think about the movie? Rob, Greg? Oh, um, it, uh, well, the first night I watched it, um, I, I, I got about halfway through and then it was very, I, there's been a lot going on in my world. Um, so hmm. I was like, okay, I was, I, I wanted something different when I first watched it, um, I wanted, I wanted tricks. I wanted yeah, jumps. I wanted all that. So going into it, I was like, you know, I wanted a fun 80s sports movie. And I was like, Oh wow, this is really heavy. The second time, the second night I watched it again to, cause I, I made it about halfway through and then I watched it again and I was in the mo- mindset of like, oh, okay, this is what this is going to be. And I enjoyed it. Um, I do think, there were some, I had some issues editing wise and a few things where there's a few things that like the way it was edited or the way they showed things, it didn't catch my brain at the right time. Like, like the whole, the overarching plot, like the way he, they show him finding stuff. They don't really let you know what was found, like the weapons thing. And then like you hear drugs and it's like, Oh, it's medicine. And like, there's just a few little things that were kind of weird in the morning or seeing it, but like then going back and rewatching it, it was like, Oh, okay. It kind of flows together. Um, so it, it was an enjoyable watch and it was, it was very eighties in a way, like just little things. It didn't try hard to be eighties, but like, you know, just for some reason, the LA Rams hat, like just some of the skating stuff. There's just a few things that clicked that I was like, Oh man, I forgot about that. I forgot about that aspect of the eighties and forgot about um, some of those things. It actually, for some reason it reminded me of when I used to go into department stores and, and steal all the, uh, the gotcha stickers off of the clothes. No, <laughs> so that I so I could look cool when I says I couldn't have a skateboard. <laughs> you could look like you skateboarded. Uh, no, no, that, that would never <laughs> ever work for <laughs> me. <laughs> I didn't remember this movie being as punk rock as it actually was. That was the the biggest kind of cool surprise for me. There's a lot of even on on Christian Slater's jacket. Um, the, the big one with the anarchy sign on the back is um, it's a, a band called Crass. These were a lot of things that I was exposed to uh, a lot of bands that my brother exposed me to being five years older than me, being the cool one, being the skateboarder, um, trying to, to follow up in his shoes. And there were some uh, some suicidal tendencies, shirts in there, some suicidal mm-hmm. tendencies, hats. You see everybody's got the flipped up hat. Um. And it says something generally, it says suicidal for suicidal tendencies, um, uh, which is just a, a great punk rock band. And they're, they're still, still kicking it. They did songs. They, 
they did so much about skateboarding. They had they had music videos in fish bowls. Um, some of their their coolest songs, uh, possessed possessed. Uh, excuse me, possessed to skate, um, was one of them. Um, that didn't make it into the movie, but uh, one of my favorite things was his buddy had like an underground bunker. Do you remember that part? Mm-hmm. At, at the house and he had this like like a hamster wheel like you were talking about Russ and he would just kind of go back yeah. and forth on it what was it just <laughs> that was so cool <laughs> did, did all houses in the 80s have underground bunkers in their well, backyard during the cold war there was a real big rush to go ahead everybody was insecure we thought we were going to war with Russia and so people were building all these bunkers in the backyards and I'm sure there's still a lot out there um I know when there was a de-escalation, they were selling some of the real bunkers were the missile silos. And I know when I lived up in Idaho, uh, one of them became available. So these bunkers were very prevalent. And now people are paying arms and legs to get them. Um, Uh, Yes, preppers. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's a, a fascinating thing. Uh, Fascinating conversation for another day. Did you get involved in the music scene back then, too? Russ? No, I I am so I love music. My first dollar that I ever got from allowance went straight to Maury's music store to buy 45 uh, vinyls. Um, I have a big music collection, but I am myself. I can't play a note. Can't sing, can't <laughs> dance, can't play music. I, I envy well, what people was that, that first can't. vinyl? Do you remember? Do you remember what that first what? vinyl? The, what was the first vinyl that you bought? Oh, God, you know, it was probably a Net Funicello's Beach Party. Nice. <laughs> nice. Very, very nice. I'm old school. <laughs> One of the best My, concerts uh, I ever went to was Dick Dale, and he was playing with Dusty Watson at the Hard Rock in Las Vegas. Wow, Dick Dale. My father-in-law was almost a member of the Four Seasons back in the day. Oh, Rudy like when they when they. When they when they first uh, got started, they asked him to join the band before they went on tour. But he was 13 and they were like 16. So his mom said no. And then they took off. Oh, yeah. They actually mentioned him. Yeah, he did. okay. he ended up. okay. he's he he ended up as a major IT vice president for some big companies. So he he did. okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just did sing and tour the world in the 50s. But um. Very nice. I, I, the music scene. It, man, I I didn't know the history of, of skating. I knew it from video games uh, like TNC Surf and Skate. Um, I knew it from that, and I knew it from Back to the Future and some of those things. And seeing this and um, Lords of Dogtown even made, oh, yeah. me like, made me realize what what I missed, not to get too far off from the movie. But it's just... It was it's so cool seeing this movie with all of those different skaters and seeing that's when the movie shined to me. Like the action sequences were okay, but when the skaters had the action sequences, I was like, give me more of this, give me more of this type of car chase. And when they like even the part when uh they're on like the beachfront and uh, Christian Slater is riding a bike and the skaters kind of come up to him like, "What are you doing?" and like kind of messing with him a little bit. Like there's still a camaraderie there. Where it's not like an it's not like a bullying type thing. It's just a what's going on, and it just like that was the part of the movie that mm-hmm. that made me happy and made me like 
zero in on it. Oh, one of the things that I know growing up, we as kids, everybody wanted to be special. And there was a kind of a self-image problem that we all have. And so if we didn't feel good about ourselves, typically you'd put down somebody else. But what was happening was skateboarding. We, we were, we grew up at a place along the beach, Belmont shore, and we had bikers, roller skaters, skateboarders. Everybody had a different way of having fun and the respect that we had for each other boosted our own happiness. And I just wish everybody could realize that that which makes us different can also bring us together. Love it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Rob, the things that you make you different will not bring anyone together. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, stop it. Yes, they will. It will bring them together with torches and pitchforks. <laughs> Rising up to stop you. <laughs> That's right. True, true. Ah, fire back. <laughs> we, uh, if people only know Rob from this peer podcast, they're going to think way worse of him than he actually is. Cause we, we have, we have kind of built him into something. We're not sure what, but <laughs> anyway, it sounds like you guys to have a really healthy relationship. Did you guys ever, when, when I was in junior high, we used to sit around at lunchtime and we'd have chop sessions. And I guess it's politically incorrect to do this now, but people would call it bullying now, but we did it collectively to each other at, you know, and we laughed at each other and we'd say things like, yeah, I understand your mother had such an ugly child. She used to tie a pork chop around your neck to get the puppy to play with you. You know, and we, <laughs> we have contests to see who had the best put down and we, we, we didn't take it personally. We just had a good time with it, knew each other, was doing it in humor. Um, we used to, uh, we, I, I don't think we call them chop sessions, but it was always yo mama jokes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I remember those? Uh, yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's what you know. We, we and you know we we poke at each other, and and when we were um, when we would go out for skate sessions, it was always um, if you fell doing something silly or if you fell kind of in a funny way, everybody would laugh. But that camaraderie there it was always <laughs> while you were helping someone up. Um, it, it was never uh, a mean spirited thing, you know, and and it's uh, I, I got to get these two guys to start skating with me uh, one so I can I can look good um, and so I can I can laugh at them. Um, but, yeah. And two, so I can be there to pick you up. So and that's you the, up most, when you break something. the reason. Yes. Yeah. One of the things that I uh, I used to teach at Calvary Chapel in Downey, California, and one day the uh, the principal asked me to teach a speech class, and so I had to do some research. He he wanted me to write the syllabus for the class, and so I thought, well, I'll do it like a reporter does. Who, what, why, when, where, and how of speech. Uh, Okay, uh, why do we have speech? And the reasons that I came up with, we can express ourselves to other human beings to uplift, edify, inspire, encourage and so forth. Anything outside of that that's negative isn't the purpose of speech. And so when we do get together as friends, we we definitely want to encourage and inspire each other. And having a good time is all part of that that expression. Do we have anything more to say about the film? I know my favorite 
part of this were the, the definitely the skate sequences, which I believe were all directed by Stacy Peralta. If I'm if I'm not mistaken on that, after his uh, his frustration with Christian Slater became too great, he was named as the second <laughs> unit director. Uh, you had just mentioned the uh, political correctness, and I actually thought this movie was a little interesting because there was a few little moments of complete non-political correctness words that definitely wouldn't fly in movies today but also there was a little moment of political correctness when someone was talking about like oh that chinese guy and the guy the officer was like uh he's vietnamese and i was actually like i kind of mentally corrected him in my head right before that part that part and it's like you kind of forget that some of these things have been going on like you think it's only a modern day thing where people are correcting people for that kind of stuff and it's you know seeing it in a movie in 1989 was sort of it, it took me aback. Um, and especially, and I mentioned this earlier in the show, like you do forget how recently Vietnam was to the eighties. Um, so like when you see all of these movies with like the father that had been in Vietnam or uh, friends or senseis in some cases, uh, it's, it's very interesting. It's just interesting to see that in a very recent, still painful uh, aspect. So that was de- that was just definitely one thing that stood out to be in this movie. That does it really is a segment of that time. Uh, what did you guys think, or what did you Russ think of um, this movie when it actually came out? Like, did you did you rush to the theater? Did you go to the premiere? How did that all work? For me, I I didn't get to see it right away. I was uh, you know I was working every single day uh, with the promotion of skateboarding and. Oftentimes that was in a foreign country. Um, I didn't get to see it until probably years later. It's really interesting. Were the, did the were the people involved in making the movie like? Did they understand the scene? Did they understand skateboarding, or was it just like, well, this is popular. Let's make a movie about it. Yeah, I, I never got to. The only thing that I got as far as my contact with the movie was going. Uh, of course, I had toured with Stacy uh, when I went down to Australia. Mm-hmm. I was there a month and the tour went really well. So they wanted me to invite somebody else. So I invited Stacy to come down. He and I skated Australia for six months. And then when we returned, he got very involved in the video, uh, making all his, uh, you know, Paul Peralta videos. And then my involvement was through him getting uh, hired on to coach Christian Slater. And then after that, I'd go off on tour and I was completely, um, distance from the movie itself um i wasn't in the country to go to the premiere and uh, like i said i didn't get to see it until years later <laughs> so what, what was your feeling about it when you did finally see it um i liked the skating scenes i was very proud that christian had uh you know he he really took some time like i said he was a quick study he did very well in all the training sessions he was able to do everything that the director wanted him to do he had learned uh, the skills to to look authentic on on screen uh i liked the way they integrated the skating scene and represented skateboarding in the film itself um as far as the political overtones and things like that i know with reference to vietnam i I lost three friends in the Vietnam War, and I, you know, not only the people that died, but some of my friends that had come back were never the same. Um, that was during a time, like you said, history has a way of repeating itself, and for those of us who don't learn from it, uh, it keeps repeating. 
even now with all the protests going around the country with Black Lives Matter, you know, a lot of people forget about the Civil War. There was a time around Abraham Lincoln's time where the South wanted to separate. And so they came up with a thing, we're against government, confederate, against federal. And so they separated and Lincoln says, no, these are the United States, I will not allow this. And the North, all those people, Ask yourself the question, would you be willing to go to war to set people free? The morality and ethics of that decision led us into the most bloody, bloody battle of United States history. And so, you know, we, we faced other conflicts and things like that. This new uh, protest series that we're going through is nothing new. America's faced it from its onset. Mm-hmm. So, so civil rights, civil war, there's been the, you know, some of the, the union fights in the 1800s. Definitely. Yep, I try to read as much about be, history as possible. Yeah. People just want to be free and that's why they should go freestyling. <laughs> <laughs> I know what I'm doing tomorrow. Yeah, right. I'm supposed to be going to Ikea. <laughs> well, when we find out that Florida man was arrested for skateboarding in an Ikea, you know, you're going to know, you'll hear, you heard it here first. He already admitted he's going to do it. Oh, <laughs> I, was gonna, I didn't say I was going to skateboard in Ikea. What's dangerous nice. is I live right down the street from a skate park. So nice. So I'm, I, does anyone else have any questions about the movie? Cause I've got one big question for Russ here. All right. Um, well, I, I never even talked about the movie, but that's oh, yeah. all right. I mean, Sorry, we're good. Yeah. We did not get it. We did not get a chance. Rob, what did you feel about the movie? Well, I mean, all, all in all, it was the, it was a uh, an 80s movie for me. I mean, there were some things that I had questions on. I mean, like when he was outrunning motorcycles on a skateboard, I was like, yeah, really? Is that, how, is that how that works? I mean, do they go that fast downhill like that? Are you going to outrun a motorcycle? Ooh, they get scary fast downhill. Oh, I don't, I don't doubt that. But, but, you know, a motorcycle is propelling itself. Yeah. And, and using gravity. Um, but in... <laughs> And and I thought it was funny because at one point I um, I was like does does every eighties movie have like some kind of teen angsty uh, uh, like workout session or whatever I mean Footloose had the dance scene in the warehouse this one had the uh, had the angry skate through the uh, construction area um, yeah I mean it was- I mean I guess everybody has their ways you know some people play video games uh, some people skateboard but yeah there was there were, yeah. It was a, a, that was a thing. break dance battle, or I guess that's how people relieve their stress when they, you know, didn't have uh, people's mothers to talk about on on video games. Movies are like any other media. They're trying to connect with people's emotions. And a lot of times we don't remember what people did for us. We remember how they made us feel. And so whether it's the emotion of anger or frustration, I think that's what they were going for in that angry skate scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I always oh, thought absolutely. about it in movies, and I have no actual facts to back this up. But for when all of those movies were big, the soundtrack was going to make just as much money as the movie, either – releasing a new artist and all that. And, and usually the big hit song was played to that montage. So it was basically a, a do it yourself music video between eye of the tiger or, you know, danger zone or anything like that. You're going to get those, those scenes. And then that's the song that's going to be basically dropped right in the middle of MTV. And you already have clips of the movie, right? Ready to go. 
So closing thoughts on gleaming the cube. Gentlemen. Well, we always do that thing where we decide, should a movie be remade? Should it have a resurgence? Or should we put it to sleep? Rest in peace. I actually 100% feel like this movie should be remade. Uh, Also have a resurgence. Um, I think I would love to see a modern version of this movie with modern sensibilities because it's been a while since we've seen some really hardcore skating in a modern movie. And there's some crazy innovations that I've seen just from watching videos this week even um, that would be so cool to see on the big screen. I don't know, Tip. I don't know per se that we need this movie uh, redone. I mean, I think another another um, – I, I mean, I definitely think there needs to be a new story because, let, let's face it, Christian Slater's character was a total jackwad the way he was using that girl <laughs> and playing with her emotions. I was That's like, true. this guy is a dick. What the <laughs> – what is going on? He just stole something from her dad. And well, and and you know, she was like falling in love with him, and he's like, Yeah, I'm just using you to get to your father. Screw you. And I was like, damn, all right. Um, I don't I don't know that it needs to be remade, but I definitely would like to see something along the lines of this movie where we get to see a lot more of the of the quality skateboarding that is out there. Because I really think that that there could be a movie that would showcase a lot of the really talented skateboarders in a better light than, than what we saw in this movie. But granted, I mean, this movie was in the eighties. So, I mean, I think like anything, it's come a long way in the last, you know, 40 years, 30 years. Mm-hmm. I know with my experience with Andy Sedaris doing those seven and hard ticket movies over in Hawaii, we uh, he had the idea of bullet bombs and babes. Well, th- when you mix a lot of different sports activities, like he'd have a, a frisbee champion and a martial arts expert like Ed Parker, and then skateboarders and and all other kinds of sports. And if you got extreme parkour and uh, different types of things, and you put all those sports into a good plot, I think that'd be a showcase movie. It's fun. Absolutely. I like that. Because I'll I'll give you a suggestion. That scene that I was talking about where he was outrunning the the motorcycles downhill, it would have been a much better scene had it been like some kind of skateboard parkour trying to get away from the motorcycles. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they, they now be- have skateboards, um, motorized skateboards, that will really do incredible speed. So it could be a real thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, go ahead. Even downhill, they're going 90 miles an hour. Terrifies me. Speed I'm, looking forward to, <laughs> I'm looking forward to a Jimmy-shaped hole in a wall. Yeah, I will be waiting at the bottom of the hill for you, Jimmy. <laughs> if you put up a giant, like some padding, some hay bales or something, I'm fine with that. <laughs> otherwise, uh, otherwise, I'm good. I, I would love to see another good skateboarding movie. You've got, you know, uh, Sky Brown. She's been in the news recently oh, yeah. doing these huge jumps. The kids, uh, she's a little warrior. I mean that the video with her and Tony Hawk at the top of this giant uh giant gap um him talking her through it and I I'd love to see another revival and and like Russ's idea uh some inclusion of some other what are labeled as extreme sports in there as well would be fantastic and I I'd like to see a lot of the the old guard come back and and perhaps reprise our roles and I'd like to see Russ in a movie as well. 
<laughs> you know, one of, one of the things that's so special about skateboarding that I don't know of any other sport that allows this to happen, but at our world championships, we had an eight-year-old kid competing against a 50-year, five-year-old guy from Germany. And when you get this type of diversity and nobody knows who's going to win the world championships and the eight-year-old wins – and the 55-year-old comes in second place in the pro division, what other sport allows for that eclectic array of different people? I think it's wonderful yeah. to unify. Everybody has an equal opportunity to have a good time and have, have victory. Yeah, I can't think of any other sports that do that. That's, that is actually – that's fantastic. Yeah, and there's no reason women can't do it. And, you know, we, we've had <laughs> – I'm short. There's tall people. It, it doesn't matter. There's just a zero sum relationship across the board. Nobody has an advantage. It's all up to, is it important to you? You'll find a way. If it's not, you, you find an excuse. Yeah. Nice. Now, I have a question for you, Russ. Uh, it's a question I asked you in uh, some of our co correspondency earlier. And we're going to give you a special, a special question here. Um, can you give me your five most influential skateboard designs? Oh, um, one of them, uh, is a 360 board. Back in 1976, I joined the 360 contest, the world championships, and I got last place. Um, the next year I was sponsored by Powerpaw and Speedspring. Powerpaw had developed a wheel called a 50-50. That's soft urethane on the outside, hard urethane on the inside to go fast. Well, the wheels would separate. And one day I'm out mm. skating, both my rear wheels separated, and I'm left with these two skinny wheels. All of a sudden my spin count goes up. So I show up to the 77 World Contest with new modified narrow wheels. Nobody else had them. I easily won the contest and that became the design that everybody that was going to spin high three sixties would win. So that was one of my top five designs. The next is that dusters board. You guys saw the cruiser that dusters did for me about three years ago. One of the best cruising, well, the best cruiser board yep. I've ever ridden, uh, best handstand board I've ever ridden. Uh, I love that board, and they let me design the, the look of it. I wanted old school. Uh, I started surfing in the 50s, and that, that was just the way boards looked back then. Um, it, the it, other, it screamed that, and when I saw that, yeah. I was like, damn. <laughs> Good looking. Yeah. The other board, let me show you a new one that I've got. I'll bring it back Ooh. into the light. Okay. So, so we're going to have to describe this to you because they're – because the listeners don't have the, have the video aspect here. Oh, damn. <laughs> nice. So He's showing us a, a whiteboard with a jester on it, a skeleton jester on it. Go yeah, ahead. There this you is go. cool. This is really you cool. You got balloons and you can see the mustache on there. Yep. And then nice. down at the very bottom, it says, let's see, where does it say? Never grow up. I love it. <laughs> that is That's excellent. So cool. I had that uh I had that written down for a while. That's, That's so cool. Where can is that board in production? Yeah, actually it is and uh, I'll send you a link via email. Witter Chang Elko Nevada. Pardon me? I said please do. 
Okay, I will. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I got a lot of stuff to share with you guys already. But Woodard <laughs> does boards for a lot of people, Gunter and Rodney and, you know, various – anyway, a ton of boards, and he's such a neat guy. Yeah, well, uh, if you want us to, we can get the, all those links on our Facebook page and Twitter and all whatever our, else we have out there. All of our all social right. media. Uh, I believe you have uh, you have two more designs left now. Ah, let's see. Oh. I'm going to go over. We just had a flood in our basement. Let me turn on the light here. So I've got some skateboards over here, and I'll oh. show you these. So we're getting show and tell. This is awesome. Oh, this is amazing. Okay. So this is uh, my freestyle board. Oh, wow. Oops, get it right there. There's freestyle. Yep. Mm-hmm. Here is the 360 board. And as you can see, let's see if I can get these wheels in there. Steel wheels. Huh. Perfect for uh, holding onto the back of a car on a freeway. <laughs> yep. And then this is a slalom board. That's an old 1977 Hobie Flex slalom board. And then a Santa Cruz slalom board. Oh, beautiful. And then this, ah, this is one of my favorites. This is, uh, let's see. Let me hold this up. Gosh. Damn. That sounds solid. Nice. How many many woods is that? That's awesome. Yeah, this is an old Hobie board. Uh, When I was a kid, I could not afford this board. It was like 12 bucks at a Savon's drugstore. But a friend sent me this a a couple years ago. Um, Anyway, I used to ride $2.50 skateboards. (laughs) But those are some of my favorite toys. And then, oh, just up, uh, there's some more. Wow. So for for the listeners out there that unfortunately are not able to see this freaking awesome display, we've got we've got trophies, we've got awards, we've got um, skateboard decks, um, and it's it's not an insignificant amount. No, no not at all. Skateboard book is that a book? That's that's oh, that's your book. book. Russ Howell skateboard. Go buy a copy of it. Uh, go to our website and find, and we'll I'll post it. It's on a handstand on it. That's glorious. Yeah, got a lot of good memories. <laughs> and then, of course, we've got the beach look. You know, you got to have the, uh, the tiki, oh, tiki. Uh, from the, the wall. Tiki. Yeah, of course. <laughs> nice. Oh, so is, that a, is that an endless summer thing in the background there, too? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got one of those. And then in the pool room, we have this, which is a giant skateboard. I don't know if you can see that. Oh yeah, we can see it. <laughs> so anyway, it's got a couple of trees in front of it. We got all the furniture moved around because of the flood, and we haven't mm-hmm. got that repaired yet. Is it uh, rain related or plumbing related? No, we had the main pipe coming into the center of our home break, and all of a sudden it flooded from the center of the house out. And my wife and I are running around trying to get everything saved off the floor, not realizing that there's power strips on the floor, and we're going through and could have been electrocuted. So we're, oh, we're very, very happy to still be alive. Yes, because, Ooh, we, uh, yeah. us too. We're happy you were still alive. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> We've had uh, <laughs> a lot of fires and uh, – 
wind damage to a lot of the places in the city. Uh, we didn't get hit by any of that, but because of that, a lot of the reconstruction crews haven't been able to come over. We've had uh, flood damage for about two months, but eh, you know, I don't mind it. My wife does. She likes a house that looks nice and uh, I'm fine with torn out walls. <laughs> Redneck. <laughs> <laughs> I had those for a while myself. Well, uh, I, th- I think that'll that'll do it. Yeah. Um, I can't wait to to share this with uh, with everyone out there who listens. And um, I, I can't thank you enough for joining us. I appreciate you, you hopping on with us in such short notice. And it's been uh, it's been absolutely wonderful talking to you. Yeah, I'll, I'll say I was nervous all day because been, I know I, my stomach's been in knots all day. Yeah, just, just because, because you know, what? reading the history and me being, I don't know much about skating. Like a lot of my friends growing up were skaters. I, I ran with like the, the rock punk metalhead crew in high school. And, and so a lot of my friends were skaters, but I didn't know much about it myself. So I'm like, am I going to be a total fraud here? And you were so welcoming. And so, and you, you, you could tell you taught, you know, you've taught me a lot and you've, yeah. made me, uh, you've inspired me. So thank you very much. Uh, thank you so much for spending time and allowing me to share what I love so much in life. Um, it's a great day to skate always. And anything always. I can do for you or anyone else who listens to this, um, you know, get on my website, contact me. Uh, anything that I have in my reserves, uh, I'd be more than happy to share with anyone. Service. That's awesome. Amazing. Yep. Thank you, Jimmy. Russ, it has been an absolute pleasure. We're so glad you could join us. Such a such a warm-hearted, giving person. And it's it's nice to see that. It's nice to see that today. You don't always find that. Um, we've really I've I've really enjoyed the interview. It, it's been a great time. Thank you for coming. I don't know who said it, but it said mem- oh, I do know. Richard Bach, who wrote the book Illusions. Members of the same family Ooh. are not always found under the same roof. So thanks for being brothers and keep on playing, yeah. So that brings us to our question of the week, and that's going to be movie titles that were either deceptive, not related to the film, or didn't make any damn sense. Because <laughs> based on some of the lists that I've received from listeners, I think everybody kind of gets it. There's there's a movie that you've watched and you look at the title and you go, wait, what? That, huh? It didn't have anything to do with anything in the film. So let me go ahead and, and go first here as I um, as I always do. So my number five. Is going to be the Shawshank Redemption. Wow, now, the good movie. You may say, holy crap, Jimmy, that's one of your favorite movies of all time. Well, the movie itself is based on a story by Stephen King called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Uh, this will come up again here in a minute, so I won't get too much into it. Number four is going to be Gleaming the Cube. Just now, nah, nobody really knows what that means. Uh, number three is Troll 2. Yep. There mm-hmm. weren't trolls in the movie. I'm looking um, forward to the day that we decide to cover that movie. Oh, it's going to be a good one. No trolls and not a sequel. Number two is The Breakfast Club. Again, good movie, right? We've discussed it before. 
they don't actually eat breakfast together and they spend all day together. And they're not really a club. They're not really a club either. Number one is a clockwork orange. Doesn't really make any sense, any context to the movie. So that is my list. Now, I have a couple of lists. I've read the book on that one, and it makes Does it make, look that much more. That much more sense, a little tiny. Clockwork. So orange is basically a made-up word, like you're, you're copacetic and chill. Clockwork okay. means you're kind of you're fitting in with the rest of society, so everything is working like clockwork. Orange is so not did. a made-up word. Orange is an actual word. Well, the way he uses it, it's made up. Uh, Anthony the, the writer wrote a bunch it. of yeah. like, ru- Russian words. But anyway, yeah. Sure. Okay. We have a first-time list from a new-to-you friend. Oh, hell yeah. A, a, a new new patron. Uh, this is her first time writing in. That's Yay. Adriana. Adriana is a, a very good friend of mine and absolutely wonderful human being. And I'm giving a drum roll. I am. Yeah. It's happening. D- drum roll. Here we go. Okay. In no particular order, Adriana lists these because they were funny to her. I have uh, so many concerns. I'm going to go with Octopussy. <laughs> I should not be drinking. You mm-hmm. should not because you almost that, spit water all over the place. That, yeah, it's probably a good call, Greg. Yeah. Fire down below. <laughs> oh, boy. And parentheses. Uh, the says, story of Rob in college. Fire down <laughs> she below. She says, must have caught something nasty. <laughs> oh, God. Dick. <laughs> all right. Not a surprise. Not, Not a surprise. About There's a, there's a it would theme be. here. Mm-hmm. There, a little bit. Uh, the human stain. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, every motel room you've ever been to. Yeah. And last but not least, again, no particular order, Black Snake Moan. Yes. Mm. I actually like that movie. <laughs> I have not seen it. I'm into it. But Adriana, thank you so much, uh, my friend. I'm I'm so glad to, to finally have a list from you no. in. None of those things were about what you would think, correct? Right. Uh, and we've got a list here from Matt. Also Jubles. have concerns. Yes, you should. Actually, this is relatively chill. His number five is a fish called Wanda. His number two is Dances with Wolves. <laughs> no one is, in fact, dancing with a wolf in that movie. <laughs> His number three is Troll 2. Number no two... Trolls. Right. Number two is John dies at the end. John does, in fact, not die at the end. <laughs> he dies in the middle. Uh, and number one, oh, this is great. Rain Man. Ah, uh, nice. No actual <laughs> so rain. Good. Uh, and our my finalist written in to um, us from our patron of unusual size, Alec. Uh, he says it was a very fun topic. He had a, he had a lot of fun uh, checking it out. You like this list? I, you 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 gushed. There was a little bit of gushing. I, I did. We we have a little bit in common here. Um, he, he might want to see a doctor. Yeah. Number five dances with wolves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Never dances with a wolf. Number four. This is great. Nightcrawler, a fantastic film. But, not about uh, the X-Man. It's not about X-Man. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's got in here number three, the Shawshank Redemption slash Edge of Tomorrow. 
Uh, And his explanation is very good. These titles both hurt the movie's marketing and don't make sense. In Shawshank, he is innocent. So redemption seems incorrect. That is that is a lawyer talking. Listen to a lawyer, folks. Number two, 12 Monkeys. Sounds like a much different movie than it was. And number one, a great entry, Reservoir Dogs. Ah, yeah. Title makes no sense and was chosen because it sounds cool. It sounds like it would be like an animated movie, like um, with like a a bunch of dogs hanging out near a reservoir. Yeah, uh, I guess so. Uh, Fantastic, guys. Y'all nailed it. Uh, So I will uh, give way to you two. Okay. Most excellent bros. I'm going to start off with, and I never thought that this would happen because I purposefully have not wanted to uh, talk about this sack of shit of a human. Uh, Ooh, okay. Leonard part six. Oh, he, God. Oh, yeah. Not actually of, a part six. Not actually a part six. Who cares about someone named Leonard? Also, the whole part six thing was like kind of like an in joke, but it wasn't funny. They based their no. whole movie on a title that wasn't funny. And, and the movie wasn't Cosby. funny. Yeah. Fuck that rapist scumbag. Uh, anyway, on a less rapey title, uh, Ballistic X vs. Sever. The movie came out when there was all these like action movies coming out. And it was, uh, who was that? It was uh, Lucy, Lou? Ben- Lucy Lou and Antonio Banderas. And- God, I love Lucy Lou. Yeah, Ballistic, uh, and it's uh, colon, uh, X-E-C-H-S versus Sever. So even if you're trying to look it up, you most people thought it would be X, like the letter, you know, the letter X, especially since the Triple X movie had just come out right around that time. Yeah, I was very disappointed when I saw that movie. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was not good. It actually is was the first movie to ever get all zeros on Rotten Tomatoes. It was not Triple X. That is true. Oh, that movie. Yeah. Is that on your list? <laughs> Some triple X movies are on his list. Oh yeah. yeah. Saving (laughs) Ryan's Uh, privates. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Great movie. Terrible title. It sounds like a, I don't know, soap opera or something. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow. And it should have been called based off the original Japanese manga. All you need is kill. Uh, Number two, spanking the monkey. Uh, For a couple reasons. One stupid title Two. Who the fuck is going to go see that movie? You want movies that people are not going to be scared to go, like, ask for I'm the ticket. Judged. <laughs> yeah, like, you go up to the thing, like, uh, uh, I'm going to see Spanking the Monkey. No, you don't. You don't want to bring a date to see Spanking the Monkey. You don't want to rent Spanking the Monkey. Stupid title. Stop it. And number one is my least favorite movie title of all time. I've never seen the movie. I have no idea what it's about. But it is called Zizix Road. Uh, okay. Z-Y-Z-Z-Y-X road. And I'm spelling it out because it. I had to, I'm bouncing between windows when I'm like trying to remember how to spell this. And I had to bounce between it three times to make sure I got the right number of fucking Z's. Fucking rush song. <laughs> so screw you movie, Zizix road. I don't know what you're about. Never watching you. Uh, next week, guys, we're going to watch Zizix road. No, no, it's not true. So, I anyway. it, is, it is not true. <laughs> no. So anyway, that's what I got. That's my number one. Excellent. I'm on fire. Nice. Um, I'm going to start my list at number five with 12 Monkeys. All right. All right. Sounds like it would be a lovable comedy about monkeys at a zoo that escape all have different personalities. Yeah. Yeah. 
and but the, in the end they stay together. And, they, and you get monkey hijinks. There there were no monkey hijinks in this movie. No. That's true. Good movie. At number four, I'm going to put a movie that that is misleading in its title. And that's gonna be Friday the thirteenth, the final chapter. <laughs> as, as it was only the fourth Friday the 13th movie or whatever number it was but there's been like 12 more since director was it, like I'm making the last one damn it and no. they were like the hell you are we're gonna yeah. do Jason goes to church Jason takes Manhattan <laughs> Jason, Jason, goes Jason goes to elementary school Jason goes to space it, 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 it turned into an earnest franchise at that point oh um, it did at number at number three, I'm going to do one that I felt hoodwinked on. It's another <laughs> it's another slasher flick that played on the name of the franchise and then did not deliver the main feature of oh. the franchise. And that's gonna be Halloween three season of the witch. There was in fact no Michael Myers in Halloween three. Nope. I'm not even sure there was a witch. Maybe there was a, a witch, witch mask. mask. There was a witch mask. Okay. And I think it was a, a witch curse that caused the worms to go out of the children's faces. Which one? <laughs> which, which, which curse? Uh, uh, it, which? Yeah, I, I know. Anyway, go on. Sorry. <laughs> at number two, I'm going to put a movie that we've talked at well not at length about but we very likely will talk at length about at some point in the future and that's troll 2 well i can't oh, wait troll 2 at number 2 and at number 1 i'm going to put a movie that was misleading with its name however the name of the movie caused it to become synonymous with the activity that the movie was about and that's train spotting. Initially, train spotting was the hobby of exactly what it sounds like spotting trains and writing down their information. And after the movie, I, I'm pretty sure it was after the movie, it actually was the turn was when it actually became associated with doing drugs and laying down tracks on your arm. And that was the train spotting. Ah. Uh. It never made sense to me until now. I'm pretty sure it wasn't until after the movie that that happened. I think there was something about like them doing drugs and then just zoning out while watching trains, but that I'm I'm not, I can't go on record on that one. Mm. Although Mm. I do love those movies and books. About doing drugs? Uh, Train spotting one and two, both the movie and book. But anyway, nice. You just want, you wanted to watch a movie about dudes looking at trains. I did. There's a lot running, in this one. There's a lot or... of, of movies that made me laugh when I was looking at this. Like Triple uh, X. That no, uh, the Haunting in Connecticut Two, Ghosts of Georgia. That one was fun. <laughs> like, so and, is it a, and I, a I also Georgia? looked up a lot of like really long, ridiculous movie titles. I didn't mm-hmm. include any of those in there. Yeah, but. There, there were a couple of honorable mentions, like the whale and the squid. I think I don't. I'm pretty sure there was never a whale or a squid in that movie. Yeah. A big thanks to all of our patrons. Um, you know these these uh, 
the subscribers are are mailing in their list because for the five dollar uh, monthly donation, they are receiving the question ahead of time and getting their list into us. So that's uh, if if that's something that interests you. I'd encourage you to check out our patreon.com slash give me five podcast. You will find out the question by joining the discord chat, which you will, you will get access to. You'll get a birthday episode. You pick the movie and you will have a custom top five list about you. We do have a, a higher price range where you get to curate an episode and join us you get notes, um, access to the show notes, and you can even change them on us because we will read anything. So everyone uh, who subscribes, and especially our patron of unusual size, Alec, uh, thank you all so much. <laughs> Next week. It changed the notes. Like Our movie this week is Heil yeah, Hitler. Yeah. Whoops, what the? <laughs> Whoa, who fucking <laughs> and then, that shit? And then Greg will blame me. Yeah, yes, I will. For writing... Saying a parrot dick directed some movie or something. <laughs> this movie is directed by a parrot dick. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. Um, okay. But if you would like to reach out to us, uh, give us some suggestions, get, send us some hate mail. You can find us at give me five podcast.com on our website. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for the give me five podcast. You can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at give me five pod. Or you know what? You can just email us directly. Give me five podcast at gmail.com. Guys, please leave us a review. Whatever, whatever podcast app you're using. Uh, it helps us stand out. It helps other people find us. And it just generally makes us feel good. If you don't like our show, keep it to yourself. <laughs> yeah. Rob is guaranteed nothing but bad reviews. Yeah, there you go. We also have a store. Guys, there's some pretty yes, cool. We do. There's, There's some skateboards cool on that motherfucker. Oh, are there now? Yeah, there are, dude. Hell yeah. And banners? No, the, not there. There's no banners. They're just behind us. No. Yeah. I can I can recommend where you can get a banner. Ooh. But there's some other very cool stuff on there. And we've got some really great new designs, guys. Uh really our our blockbuster design has been fairly popular, as has the the G.I. Joe theme to give me five podcast design. Um really, really great stuff. I've bought several of the shirts and they're actually really nice and very comfortable. But they you are. can get all of your give me five branded merch at give me five podcast.threadless.com. Nice. Rob, do you know what we're watching next week, or are we going to have to wait to find out on the chat room? I have two movies. I, I'm hesitant to let you choose because I think I know which one you will pick. Um, but I would like the movie next week to be Red Sonia. Okay. All right. Good morning, good afternoon, and skate or die.
We'll cl- close us out here. I think that's you, Rob. Oh, is Jimmy not doing the patrons? Oh, here he did the patrons. No, oh, the patrons. I thanks. just I just talked about Alec. 